You are listening to the Amateur Church Podcast, where we pursue excellence in ministry with the right motivation for the sake of love. I'm Pastor Matt, and I'm so thankful that you are on this disciple's journey with me as this week we're reading through Jeremiah chapter 1 through 31. Today is our apologetics episode in which we try to ask a question that deals with uh, maybe a defense of the faith, uh, defense of our uh, text and passage of why we trust God in the midst of uh, certain situations and circumstances. And today, I want to direct your attention to Jeremiah chapter 15, because the question that we're going to deal with today uh, is one that I get asked pretty frequently. Uh, in fact, it's one of the most often asked questions, and it has to deal with how can we worship a God who gives wrath to the world? How can we worship a God when there's pain and suffering going on? Uh, a lot of it deals with the problem of evil. How can God exist if evil exists? And so in all of this, I have sought to answer that question from different texts throughout this year. And and we'll still, uh, you know, Job was one one particular week that we read through and, and talked about that. But uh, we will probably come to this question many times more in, in the next uh, five or six months. Uh, but today specifically, uh, Jeremiah 15, and really the entire book of Jeremiah, but uh, leads us into this conversation of of captivity and how can uh, we worship God in the midst of of the uh, pain and suffering we see around us? Uh, how could the Israelites? How could Judah worship God in the midst of their captivity by Babylon? And so I, I want to walk you through that. I want to remind you of a few things and hopefully point us uh, by the end of this chapter and the end of this episode to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we want to begin. Jeremiah chapter 15 verse 1 says, Then the Lord said to me, Even though Moses and Samuel were to stand before me, my heart would not be with this people. Send them away from my presence and let them go. Now, I want you to understand the extent of their sin. Do you see what God is saying in this passage? For 14 chapters, we have seen that God has told Jeremiah, you're going to preach and you're going to give a word to the people that they do not want to hear. They are going into captivity. And ultimately, we'll see 70 years they'll be in uh, uh, in, in this uh, place of, of captivity. Uh, Babylon. And what God says is their sin has grown so much that I am now going to exercise my wrath on them. They will suffer in this. In fact, he goes a little bit further in verse 2, and it shall be that when they say to you, where should we go? Then you were to tell them, thus says the Lord, those destined for death to death, those destined for the sword to the sword, those destined for famine to famine, and those destined for captivity to captivity. I will appoint over them four kinds of doom, the sword to slay, the dogs to drag off, the birds of the sky, and the beasts of the earth to devour and destroy. And I will make them an object of horror among all the kingdoms of the earth. So what God is saying is this, I've given time for repentance and you did not repent. In fact, 
Judah was judged more harshly than uh, Israel, the northern kingdom. Israel fell in 722, but Judah had uh, a, a little over 100 years, 130 years almost, to repent after watching their sister nation, and they chose not to. God tells them, you are uh, you are going to go through this. Some of you will die. Some of you uh, will, uh, will go into captivity, but all of you will be punished. And God says, verse 6, I am tired of relenting or holding back my wrath. Now, this is where many would indict God and say, well, well, God, this isn't fair. This isn't love. Uh, I thought you were a God of love. And, and we've got to understand, for God to be a God of love, he must be a God of wrath because he must answer uh, this, this uh, unjust nation. He must hold them accountable. And he tells them, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to destroy my own people uh, the majority of them, because they did not repent of their ways, verse 7 tells us. And and so a lot of people look at a text like this and they say, well, this is why we can't worship or serve God because God is just mean. No, God is a God of grace, and grace doesn't show up just in the New Testament. God's grace showed up in Genesis chapter 3 with Adam and Eve in him preparing skins for them. Grace showed up in the midst of uh, of uh, Cain and Abel. Grace showed up with Noah. Grace showed up with Abraham. Grace showed up with Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. Grace showed up with Moses and the Israelites in the wilderness. Grace showed up all the way through with Samuel and or Joshua, then the judges, then Samuel, then Saul, then David, then Solomon, then Rehoboam. Grace was still there. God's grace can be seen all throughout the pages. Even in the midst of captivity, God says, there will be a remnant. And I need you to understand this. God is not dealing with the people that just forgot about him and not dealing with the people that just messed up and not dealing with the people that were repentant. God is dealing with the people who did not care about him, turned their back on him, really uh, threw their fist in his face and said, we will reject you. In fact, Jeremiah experiences uh, his own sense of pain and suffering from this, really uh, really showing God's heart in this. But listen to Jeremiah, verse 10. It says, Woe to me, my mother, that you have borne me, as a man of strife and a man of contention to all the land. What you see in this passage is they, they had rejected Jeremiah, and they had come against him uh, because he was a prophet of God. And he, uh, he he says, the whole world hated me. In fact, loneliness set in. L listen, he says, I have not lent, nor have men lent money to me, yet everyone curses me. He had no one that he could depend on. Uh, the Lord said, surely I will set you free for purposes of good. Uh, surely I will cause the enemy to make supplication to you in a time of disaster and a time of distress. And so in reading this, I want you to see for Jeremiah and even the nation uh, of, of Judah, there are similarities of being hated by the world. But Jeremiah, ultimately speaking on behalf of God, was hated by the people. Uh, he, he did not want to preach, but as we've read, this fire in his bones came up uh, to preach the word of God. And so many, uh, many turn their back on God and say, well, I can't worship you. But Jeremiah remained faithful and said, no, God, you are worthy of worship. You are worthy of praise and honor and glory, and you are good. Remember, anytime we indict God for not being fair, it's because we're measuring God's goodness on our standard of goodness, and we are not the standard of good. God is. So we need to back up. 
We need to humble ourselves and see that God sets the standard. And because of that, God's uh, anger and wrath is going to come up on, on people that do not worship him. But there would be a remnant that follow him. And Jeremiah knows this. And that's why Jeremiah remains faithful. And so look at verse 15. I want to walk you through the faithfulness of Jeremiah and how you and I today can remain faithful to God. Three reminders for us in the midst of this, this really tough passage. Look at verse 15. You who know, O Lord, remember me, take notice of me, and take vengeance for me on my persecutors. Do not, in view of your patience, take me away. Know that for your sake I endure reproach. So Jeremiah understands, God, uh, there's even long-suffering and kindness in your character, and I know that you are patient, but I'm asking you, will you avenge me? Same thing that Revelation 6 would ask, when will you step in, God? Uh, many times people will indict God for, for showing vengeance, and then they'll get upset with God because he's not stepped in. Well, we see both sides. We see the justice, but we also see the mercy in God's character. And the only way that God could show mercy is by there being a sacrifice for sins, Jesus Christ. So Jeremiah is actually going to point us to that. Look at verse 16. Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I have been called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. What Jeremiah is doing here is he's reminding himself that satisfaction in his word, God's word, brought separation from the world. Uh, Jeremiah says, I did not sit in the circle of merrymakers, nor did I exult. Because of your hand upon me, I sat alone, for you filled me with indignation. Uh, Jeremiah says, I, I, I didn't make my place with the world. I, I didn't join in with their, uh, with, with their happiness and pleasures uh, because of my pain. And yet that's a good thing. Psalm 1 reminds us that the blessed is the righteous man who does not sit in the place of the wicked or stand in the seat or sit in the seat of the scornful or stand in the place of the wicked. Uh, but but the righteous man, the man who trusts in God is like a man who like a tree planted by streams of water. And so this is Jeremiah. He trusted in the word of the Lord. Well what was the first word given to Jeremiah? Jeremiah chapter one. I knew you before I formed you. I knew you, and I have called you and appointed you a prophet to the nations. And that's where we must be reminded that God has not only created us, but he called us. And he calls us because of Jesus Christ. We can be separated from the world, consecrated, set apart because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And look at verse uh, uh, 19. He says, Therefore, thus says the Lord, If you return, then I will restore you. Before me you will stand, and if you extract the precious from the worthless, you will become my spokesman. They, for their part, may turn to you, but as for you, you must not turn to them. God still offers repentance. He still offers grace here. And so, listen, repentance can bring a right attitude of the heart. God says, if you'll extract the worthless for the precious from the worthless, if you'll take out that which is good from the unholy and repent, you will become for me a spokesman. You will become my voice. And so we should, likewise, when, when we understand Christ has called us to follow him because of his holiness and righteousness and sacrifice, then we should repent. Repent of the unworthy, the unholy, the non-precious thoughts 
Let us focus on Christ and focus on Him. Uh, and, and God brings that repentance and then brings that change of heart for us where we trust in Him and He is faithful. Even when we're faithless, He is faithful and He is able to keep us from falling. And so satisfaction in His Word brought separation from the world. Repentance can bring a right attitude of the heart. But I want you to see this last part. How can we worship God in the midst of His wrath? Verse 20, Then I will make you to this people a fortified wall of bronze and though they fight against you they will not prevail over you for i am with you to save you and deliver you declares the lord so i will deliver you from the hand of the wicked and i will redeem you from the grasp of the violent what god reminds jeremiah and reminds us today is that when we seek the presence of god this brings the power of god for us Many people simply want the power of God to help them in their situations. But no, we long for His presence. We say the same thing Moses said. God, if you're not going with us, then we don't want to go. But if you will go, then we will follow you wherever you go. We desire the presence of God. And that's when we ultimately see His hand and His power over us. He will fight for us and He will deliver us and save us. So when we look at the wrath of God on, uh, on uh, Judah and the captivity that they were headed into, we can ultimately see the grace for those who would repent and cling to him. Today, we proclaim that message. That's what apologetics is all about, defending our faith in Jesus Christ because of his word. We can trust the character of God. I've said it many times, and, I, and, and I'll repeat this as long as I live, that when you can't see, when you can't trace his hand, you trust his heart. When you can't see exactly what he's doing, you sit and you be reminded to be still in the midst of his character. God is good. And as I close out this episode today, I want to give you a ministry moment, a uh, a great ministry that we just got through working with is our uh, church family went down to the Dominican Republic. Uh, many of our members went down with Rain Down Ministries, Brother P.J. Weeks and Justin Tyler, and I've mentioned them before, but I specifically wanted to lift up the the DR, the work they do there. Uh, we've got a group that just got back. As we got, uh, as I led a team to Maine and got back, they got back a day after us and did a great job down there uh, using uh, resources, uh, water filtration systems to share the gospel. They got to make a lot of contacts for the kingdom of God, and I believe our people were uh, were changed, but also the people they encountered. And so I, I want to remind you that as we talk about the character of God and His goodness, we should preach the gospel everywhere we go. And Rain Down is doing that. They do it here and they do it abroad. So pray for them. Pray for PJ and others who are involved in that ministry. Hey, I love you. I'm praying for you. Stakes in the ground.